In today's bonus episode, join us as real estate heavyweights have a chance to go some extra rounds into this week's topic. Hey everyone, I'm here with D. Scott Smith. Hey there, how you doing? How's it going? Super. And he does, he is absolutely not a motivational speaker. <laughs> no way. He is clearly not an MIT professor. Nope. But what he is, is a commercial real estate agent. Yes. And he has an opinion on earnest money and if we need it. Let's hear it. So I do. I think it's first, I'd like to just make the disclosure that I'm not an attorney. I don't play one on TV. Right. Uh, so this is not legal advice on how to write your contracts. Or that no. Kind of, this kind is of opinion piece only from the Mid-Atlantic, That's right. E. Scott Smith. I don't want people to get confused in what I'm telling them. But here's what I can tell you. People need to understand the difference between consideration and mm -hmm. what is consideration and what is earnest money. Okay. Right? Yep. So a lot of people think earnest money is like a part of the contract. And in some states, it can be part of the contract, but it is actually not a legal part of the contract. Earnest money as defined is a deposit, right? That is okay. made to a seller. But um, it's not even to the seller. Well, right. It is... It could be written to not the seller. It could be written to the title company or attorneys or the oh, seller. Oh, I guess it can actually be written to the seller, right? It can be, but generally it's not held by the seller in there because they can't really deposit it or do anything with it. Right. Um, so the earnest money is like, it kind of gives the seller reassurance that the buyer is going to perform on certain aspects of the contract okay right whereas consideration is the thing of monetary value that the real estate is traded for so think of an earnest money as a deposit of a percentage mm -hmm. and then consideration would be the remaining part that is not covered under the earnest money right usually is money but it doesn't have to be money because real estate can be traded for stock value, love and affection, cows and chickens. Right? Mm. Do you think, I know you used to do, I know you do commercial and you've been doing it for a long time, but are the, has, is earnest money handled differently like in commercial versus when you were doing residential? Yeah, so I don't know how long you want this thing to go, but I'll give you a little background on this. This is great. So I did a contract one time and the guy had a million dollar earnest money deposit. Okay. Okay. In a commercial real estate, we have different timelines of which things have to occur. Mm -hmm. And so kind of like, I guess in residential, you got like a home inspection addendums and all that kind of stuff, right? Right. So, so they put the earnest money up. They usually deliver that to their attorney, not to the seller. Okay. But to the attorney or the title company. Okay. Or in some cases, you may have to deal with a qualified intermediary, but in the most cases, in commercial done with the attorneys. Okay. The brokers never hold it. Okay. Right. And I don't know if they'll, y'all do that in the residential world still, but the brokers never hold it in commercial. I think a lot of them still do. We put, we do it to the title company, but a lot of other people do it to the broker, which that's the problem. It's such a pain. The litigation that would come along with that, if things go bad, is just yeah. not, like, why, mm -hmm. why do it? Just 
hand that off to someone, especially today with like all the wire fraud and all that kind of like, no, like I don't want anything to do with that. Right. So, so the seller was sitting on a million dollar earnest money deposit. He had a million dollar mortgage on the property. The buyer did not perform 30 days before settlement. Okay. And the this property had been in contract for two years. Wow. For settlement, the bank pulled the funding and the guy had to walk away from a million dollar earnest money deposit. Was he forced to give it to the seller? Yes. Because of non-performance? Yes, because the, the financing period had already expired in the contract. But do they, so in residential, a lot of times, like if the contract, like even for non-performance, for whatever reason, the contract is gone, the buyer and the seller still have to sign a form stating that the contract is over and what happens to the deposit. But that doesn't happen in commercial. It's like an automatic. It's pretty much an automatic. There are addendums that have to be and agreements that have to be signed. And that is usually built into the contracts initially, right? Not as an addendum. It's built into a, in a paragraph somewhere. Which could make sense. Like for residential, we could take some of that and say, okay, for non-performance, it's an automatic without further signature that the deposit goes towards the seller. Yeah. And then it, what ends up happening is then the buyers end up trying to try to get out of it. And then they end up trying to sue. Sure. And, you know what I mean? Cause you're looking at a million dollars. It's not like, you know, but it's if not they, a dollar. Yeah. Right. But if they, if they agree to it as part of the contract initially right. up front, then it's pretty much like, well, so you agree to it. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting perspective and that's, that's one of the reasons I want to talk to you as a commercial agent is because it's you, you guys do provide different perspective than all residential people talking together. Cause it's yep. same, 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 but different. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, I mean, and I've seen some crazy, some crazy considerations in earnest money. I mean, literally, you know, I've seen, I did a warehouse one time and in the warehouse and they wrote this in the contract in the warehouse that a, a Jeep, there was like an old world war two Jeep. Uh-huh was in the was in the warehouse okay and they wrote that that would that would be there that would be included in that in that contract and so i had a guy that got a a harley in a contract but that's not really the same thing though is it because like the buyer can't i think the earnest money from like a residential standpoint is the buyer saying hey i my, I have intent here to purchase and here's my yeah. proof of intent. But yeah, those but, examples are the seller, right? Right. Or they were it or they were in the property, but yes, the same thing could be applied. The, the point being that you can use other things besides. Besides. Yeah. I'd be wondering if I'm wondering if that, if the lender would actually allow that, like if the buyer was like, Hey, I have these 10 chickens and a mule. Yeah. yeah that I want to, that whose value is X, whatever. And that's what I want to be the earnest money. Well, remember <laughs> on commercial, we have a different, we operate under a completely different parameters and set of laws, right? Okay. So on our, even on our lending side on the commercial lenders, they don't follow the same regulations that the housing lenders do. No, that's true. The commercial, a commercial loan is way easier. I've known we've gotten some for our properties and stuff. And so that's why I'm wondering on the residential side, would that be acceptable? I imagine on some loans it would and on others like an FHA, it likely would not. 
right? Yeah, probably not, because on FHA, don't they require, I mean, don't they only have like a maximum allowable that you're even like the seller can contribute and all kinds of like- Yeah, they have like all kinds of crazy rules, right? Huh. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. really fun. Hey, wait, thanks a lot for your perspective. Sure. I Anytime. hope you get that job at MIT soon. Yeah, you know, the pace is <laughs> really not up to what I'm used to. <laughs> all right, have a good day. Hey, everyone. I'm here with Chris Caramonti. Hey, Chris. Hey, how are you? Great. And he is with uh, Century 21 out of Des Moines, Iowa. And so we were talking about earnest money. So, Chris, do you think we need earnest money? Uh, in, in short, obviously, it's a nuanced question. But right. in short, I would say I would say no, for sure. Uh, finally, uh, somebody agrees with me. People always <laughs> agree with Monica. <laughs> you're on you're on the no earnest money team as well i'm on the no earnest money team i had a fight to the death with her today on this what do you tell me why you think that the main reason is just because it seems like in, unless the earnest money is non-refundable there's so many outs that a buyer has in a contract that it's kind of like play money it's it's not right. it's not real unless it's non-refundable in my opinion it's kind of a joke, I agree. But do you right. think that there's psychological value or like, like do you think yes. it's a second thought if it's down to not walk away? Yes, I, I think so. And, and so I, I do do it every transaction still. I, I don't put that zero in there because like you said, I, I think psychologically if you're, if you're putting zero in there, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look great. Right. Um, and there are times to go higher in my market. Our, our average sale price I think is around 220,000 and our average earnest money on, on every transaction is like 500 to a thousand. It seems like. Um, That's exactly what ours is too in Cincinnati. Yeah. So we must yeah. have pretty similar markets. Yeah. So, so unless you're, you know, high end four or five, 600,000 earnest money is pretty consistent and there's, you don't you don't see people putting big, big amounts down for sure. I mean, how would it be like non-refundable? I've written into the contract. I mean, is we've used that a few times in mostly in multiple offer situations where people are above list price and the big differentiator is maybe some non-refundable earnest money so that we're not taking the house off the market. Actually, you know what? That's really good. And we're doing a podcast about multiple offers. I should have you on that for one of the tips. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. <laughs> I like it. But yeah. is, so is your contract then written, like you said, the buyer can have multiple outs. So like when the buyer, let's say they've, you know, our inspections have gone fine. Like they've gone through the whole thing and they're at the final hour, but they want to cancel the contract. Like obviously yeah. you can't force anybody to buy. So yep. what happens to the earnest money at that point? Well, it depends on what kind of lender they have. In my experience, I've seen lenders who will, you know, they'll write a denial letter of financing. Um, mm. But if you you have, if you have an honest lender who's not going to do that, you know, it, it's up to, you know, going to small claims That's or whatever. That's so but shady. Yeah, right. It, it, it's kind of ridiculous, but ultimately it, it ends up typically going to small claims or mediation over, you know, the 500 or 1,000 bucks or whatnot. Or whatever. Does it, and if they, so it goes to mediation. Wow, ours is like where it just, I mean, I guess you can go to mediation or go to court, but 500,000 bucks, it's not really worth it, you know? Yeah. So at first, I believe the, whoever's holding the escrow can make a decision if it's pretty clear one way or the other. 
But if okay. it's not clear, that's when both parties are saying they, they want the money. That's when media, they have to go to mediation. So Got it. Because ours is, yeah. I wonder if we have to do that. I don't know. I feel like ours just sits in like an escrow account for two years and then just goes yeah. right back to the buyer. So it's silly. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a little different, I think, for sure. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, sharing your thoughts, and I'm glad you're on my team. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know earnest money. I like it. <laughs> Have a good rest of the day. You too. Thank you. Bye. Hey, everyone. I'm here with Michelle Parsley. Hey, Michelle. Hey, how are you? Super. And Michelle is with KW and serves Greater Cincinnati, and we were talking about earnest money. So, Michelle, do you really need earnest money? You know... <laughs> In our market, I feel like it's kind of pointless, you know, like we talked about kind of earlier, I feel like it doesn't hold much water because at the end of the day, like especially here in Ohio, like we talked about my, the, it stays in the brokerage account at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's all, right. you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like it, yeah, well, it not only stays there, but then like if the buyer, if the buyer and seller don't agree and the deal goes down, then it ultimately goes back to the buyer. Sure. That's my point is like what, I don't really understand what security that holds. Cause you know, it's like it, if they don't agree, like you said, ultimately it's coming back to the buyer. So Do you think what, on the listings that you've had, what do you think, like, what's the seller been saying about earnest money? Like, is there a psych, I guess, is there a psychological value of it to the buyer and the seller? I know in my experience, most of the time when we even go over the contracts and the offers that we get, most of the time they don't even ask about earnest money. I mean, you know, most of the time it's other things, the inspection report, mm -hmm. inspection contingency, how long that is, the price, you know, things like that. That's normally what we discuss earnest money, not really too much. Do you think there's any value, like when you're representing the buyer, do you think there's any psychological value for them to put earnest money down? Or do you right, help tell them that they don't really need to do it? Obviously, I don't really, I don't tell them they don't need to do it. But I think mm -hmm. one of the good things is, I mean, obviously, when you do put an amount down, um, I think here in our state again we talked about the standards anywhere from 500 to a thousand again when you're talking about over a hundred thousand dollar purchase what is five thousand or five hundred to a thousand dollars that's not really you know that much that's less than one percent right and they like that's really not again as a buyer that's not much skin in the game if, mm -hmm. if i'm only going to lose five hundred dollars to get out of a contract or out of a deal that you know could potentially cost me two hundred thousand dollars down the road Right. I'd rather lose the 500 than, you know. But even to your point, they're not really losing it if they don't agree to give it to the seller. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's what I don't really get. I just, exactly. Hmm. No, I get it. Hey, finally, somebody's on my side. Hey. <laughs> Always. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, everyone, I'm here with Renee LaFrance. Hey, Renee. Hi. Hi. And she is with Hecht Real Estate out of Austin, Texas. And we were talking about earnest money. So Renee, do you really need earnest money? I think it, it's very important to have earnest money. Absolutely. Why? I think it shows that the buyer has skin in the game. I think it's important for the sellers. Uh, well, obviously it's a negotiating item in a contract for sure. It's definitely showing that the buyer has skin in the game. 
do you often negotiate the earnest money? Like the, you mean the amount or like if the contract doesn't go through? Well, I mean, in, in my market, it's pretty standard as a buyer on the buyer side. I've always talked to my clients and we've always put about 1%, which is standard in my area. Okay. As a listing agent, I generally get about 1%. I did have one buyer agent try to come to me with zero <laughs> dollar amount and speaking to my client because of course it's not our decision. It's always right. our decision, right? Of course. But it just, to me, it shows no skin in the game. While there are many ways for a buyer to back out of a contract legally, there are clients or buyers that will back out a week before closing, right? Yeah. And if they do, what, what, where's the seller left with? Let's say the buyer backs out a week before closing. Does the earnest money automatically go to the seller or do the buyer and the seller have to sign papers green to where the earnest money goes? I mean, assuming that the buyer backed out without any pause, uh, right? Then there is documentation that everybody has to sign. If nobody, if the buyer refuses to sign or if the seller refuses to sign, I mean, it's held with the title companies here. So I know every state's different. Some use attorneys here in, in Texas, we use title companies. Okay. Locals actually have to, to sign to end a contract, release a contract. We don't ourselves. So okay. if I back out, I don't sign it. My broker actually has to sign. Okay. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, if a buyer tries to back out without cause, it, it's the earnest money is going to go to the seller unless the seller decides or agrees not to keep the earnest money. Okay. Um, but they do have to re-sign the cancellation or whatever, the back and out of the contract. There's a release of earnest. earnest okay. money. There's a, yeah, there's a form. There's a, a, a TAR form. So, well, it's not TAR anymore, but yeah, there's a form to sign. <laughs> gotcha. Have you had it where they like, the buyer and the seller can't agree on where the earnest money goes? I personally have not. I'm sure there no. are many realtors out there I have, but I have not, thankfully. I've, I've only had, I mean, I've not had that situation myself. So I'm-, I'm I kind of feel like it should almost be decided like upfront where it goes, you know? I don't know that you can because, you know, that you can decide that except that what if something changes in the process that- right. I mean, there's so many variables, as you as you are well aware, so many variables that can happen and yeah. infection that can change everything. So, right. That's say. true. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you coming on again. It's nice to chat with you. Very nice to chat with you, and I hope you're enjoying your trip. Yes, thank you. Bye. We hope you enjoyed diving deeper into this week's topic with our real estate heavyweights. If you're interested in becoming a featured heavyweight, please reach out through our toe-to-toe podcast Facebook page.